I'm Debbie Manning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at the table. Um, gosh, that truly is a hard act to follow. Those guys were good. Um, as Christian said, it is Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, and uh, we'll be uh, moving a long way from the triumphant entry of Jesus to our series on his last words. We've been in this series that we're calling, I Heard the Savior Say, and we're on word number six. And uh, some of the words have been kind of hard because it has, they're all surrounding Jesus, hanging on a cross. But today, we are in the sixth word, and the phrase is, it is finished. We've talked a lot about the importance of last words and how meaningful they are and how it's important for us to pay attention to those last words. And last week, Matt talked about the phrase, or uh, embellished on the phrase, I thirst. And we're in that same couple of verses in John, and we're going to start there today. I'm going to repeat Matt's couple of verses because they're back to back, and I think it makes sense. So we're in John 19, 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. At first glance, that doesn't seem like that should be a very hard text to preach on. There's a lot you can do with it. It is finished. But I told Matt when I walked in today, and I might get a little choked up, this was a hard one for me. And I wrestled with it, and I prayed about it. And I thought, why is this so hard? And I think it's twofold. The first part being that it's personal. In my job, I walk alongside people that are sick and dying, and I'm with them when it's finished. I've been with my own sister when it's finished. So I think there was this personal part for me that was sort of rumbling around all week as I studied the passage. I think the second part was as I studied the passage, what I have always thought that it is finished meant is not really what it meant. And there were commentators that were disagreeing on it, and I felt all confused and, and mixed up, but decided I needed to go with what I knew to be true. So we're going to take a look at this phrase, what is finished. And I think the question I want to ask you guys is, is Jesus hung on the cross after being beaten up and abused and weary? And he says before he takes that last breath, it is finished. I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think he meant? Because I know I thought a whole lot of things. And I thought I'd, it's his idea. My husband told me to ask. So if no one answers, I'm turning to him. <laughs> what do you guys think it meant when Jesus said, it is finished? His life. His life. Thanks, Maggie. His life. Any, anybody else? Hi, Michael. Sam. His purpose. It's good, Sam. I like that, Jerome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good, Kristen. 
He broke the power of death over people. The prophecies, yep. You guys are good. Because so many of the commentators um, landed on your debt is paid. And somewhere in there I had a little bit of that understanding too. But as I peeled back this passage down to the Greek, that's not what this says here. It's far closer to what all you guys said out here. And it's really, really interesting. But we can look back before I get into the Greek. And just a a few chapters earlier, it was prior to Jesus' arrest by the Romans. And it was his last public prayer. And he answers the question I just asked you guys. And we're in John 17, 1 through 5. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And here's where he answers it, everybody. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. There it is. As Jesus took his last breath, he said, it is finished, the work that he had been called to do. From the moment the word became flesh and dwelt among us and then he ministered and he loved people and he showed us what it meant to be in right relationship with God. He did the work that God had called him to do. And then he said, it is finished. And I think part of the reason I struggled a little bit with the finished thing is, is it ever finished? Because that isn't the whole story. It is finished feels so final to me. When I, when I think of the word, it is finished. It's done. But that is not what this is. That is not what our life is. It's not one and done. It's never finished. And we know in this story, the Jesus story, it certainly isn't finished. Because Jesus dies. And then he rises a couple days later. That's why we celebrate Easter Sunday. And then guess what? His mission continues through all of his followers. It's never finished. And I was thinking about those places in my own life where, gosh, I felt like it was finished. I was thinking about parenting. You raise your kids and you pour yourself into your kids and you kind of set self aside. And then you launch that last kid. And then they move back home. And you're like, it, it is not finished. I thought it was finished. But the older I get, the more I realize it's never finished, friends. And it's really the beauty of our life. It is never finished. It's not finished here. It's not finished in death. God keeps working through us and in us and around us. And that's the beautiful part of our faith. Well, I want to tell you a little bit about what I actually thought was super cool about this text. And those of you who have been around long enough, you remember all my stories about my painful Greek classes during seminary, a year and a half of every Tuesday, Thursday going to Greek, and so, so painful. I literally had stomach aches. 
And it wasn't just painful for me, but it was clearly painful for my professor, who actually said it was painful when I had to do translations for him. <laughs> Th that's a true story. But I got through it, and I still believe in the importance of understanding the Greek, because when you understand the Greek, it really can change the meaning of the message. And in this case, it's so important that we understand it. So the phrase, it is finished, actually translates into one word. And Patty's going to throw it up there. That's the root of the word, teleo. And the word, and my whole family's going to laugh because my pronunciation is so bad, but I listened to it online, so I hope I got it right, is tetelestai. Tetelestai, that's the word that Jesus uses. Now, the root word, what that means is to complete something, it's accomplished, it's finished, fulfill, to bring to an end. And it's a crucial word because it, it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. It's a word you would all use if you were, like, say you were finishing your first marathon and you cross the line and you'd scream out, Tetelestai, right? Doesn't that sound natural? Or you'd hand in your dissertation and you'd say, I'm finished. It's complete. I've accomplished it. Or you pay off that last student loan. Or your kid, <laughs> woohoo! Or your kid finally leaves your home. But, <laughs> yes, it's true. But the word means more than I just survived. The word means that I did exactly what I set out to do, and that's what Jesus is saying. But here's the cool, cool part of this verb. That's the teleo part. But the tetelestai part, it's the perfect tense in Greek. And when you take Greek, the tense, the mood, all these things change the meaning of the word. And this is significant because the perfect tense, what it does is it speaks of an action which has been completed in the past with results continuing in the present. Isn't that cool? Like here's Jesus on the cross. That to me, is, it changes everything, doesn't it? Like this is completed, but it's going to continue on now and continue on in the future. The perfect tense adds the idea that this happened and it's still in effect today. When Jesus cried out, it's finished. He meant it was finished in the past. It's still finished in the present and it will continue to be finished in the future. I think that's an amazing thing. I think the other thing to note is he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Because to say, I am finished would have been to acknowledge some kind of defeat or exhaustion. But rather he cried out and he cried out, it is finished. He successfully completed the work that he had come to do. The completion of Jesus' task. The purpose of his hour had been completed, and the consequences of his work are enduring. I think what's really, really important to this conversation is that verb that we're talking about. It's used 28 times in the New Testament. Only twice is it used in the perfect tense. 
and the two times it's used is in the passage we're in tonight. The verse Matt read last week and the verse that I read tonight. Twenty-eight times. And it makes the meaning perfectly clear that it's just in this context. And the meaning is this. Mission accomplished. Everything that had to be done was done. And Jesus says, it's finished. And in the light of the impending cross, here's Jesus. And earlier he cries, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do, God. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them, I tell us, which means not only in the end, but to the full extent mandated by his mission. And so on the brink of death, there's Jesus, and he's saying, it's accomplished. And as he says, it's accomplished, the other beauty of that is the mission continues. It isn't an end game thing. It isn't a final, it's finished. Everything continues, and I think it's like our lives, that it's just a turning of the chapter. It's a new norm. It looks different. It continues. And Jesus, as Jesus would, had already prepared his disciples. They didn't believe him that he was going to be dying, but he prepared them. And he said, I will leave you a helper, the Holy Spirit, as you continue on this mission that I'm leaving you with. And in John 14, 15, in John 14, 15 through 17, Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And a few verses later, he goes on to say in 25 through 27, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He had prepared the way. The mission was set up. The disciples, his followers, were called to continue on. And what's so amazing about the mission is that he left it to them and he left it to you and me. And he said that as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And there's a beauty in that as we think about this Jesus hanging on the cross saying it is, fish, it is finished because at the same time he's saying the mission continues and it looks different. And it's not an end but a new beginning. And it's in this spot where this redemptive love, a God who reaches across all boundaries, a God who loves us so much that he hangs on this cross. That he sacrificially and beautifully and meaningfully and painfully bows his head and takes his last breath. It's interesting that we're in Palm Sunday because I think about that day as this triumphant day for Jesus. Although Jesus knew, right? He chose to enter Jerusalem. He knew what would happen. He'd get arrested. He knew that he'd be beaten. 
that he'd be hung on a cross, that he'd suffer, that he'd die. But our Jesus is the Jesus who was making good on his covenant. Our Jesus is the Jesus who at the end of his life, his mission being accomplished, fulfilled all those, Kristen, you had said it, those prophetic, the prophetic, the prophecies, 300 of them from Genesis to Malachi, that had predicted his coming, the anointed Messiah. And he made good on those. And when he made good on those, the shepherd who laid down his life and through that loss began a new covenant. A covenant that included everyone, that welcomed anyone, anyone who would follow Jesus. Anyone who is willing to step out into their own lives, step into the things that God calls them to, step into places that are sacrificial. That's what Jesus is calling us to and calls us to on the cross. I love that at the end of his life, his statement isn't sort of a worn out gasp, but a clear cry. He left no unfinished business behind. And I love this idea that this God who loves us so much, loves us with a love that was willing to do anything. The part of this that I mentioned in the beginning that I really wrestled with is the personal part. It is finished. What I love about what we learned about this verb, that it's finished, but it continues, and I realize as I'm studying it that that is the reality of our life, and I thought about so many of, the, of you in this room. Some I've walked alongside, some I haven't, but I've thought about the people you've loved and lost and how, though their lives are finished here on earth, the work has continued. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I was thinking about, um, Rachel, are you here tonight? I know the impact your grandma has had. I've heard the stories. I didn't know her. Her life is finished on earth, but the mission continues because I see it in you and the things you do. And I know in our chase, um, his life, is finished, but I see it in a mom who went back and got her degree and she's going to be doing grief counseling and a sister-in-law who was so moved by the experience that she stepped out of the business world and landed in moving toward counseling and pastoral care. And my son-in-law's mom, I see it in you because you had a mother who lived a life of faith. And it continues on in you. And over and over again, the hope we hold in the cross. Because it's never finished. God continues working through us. I think about, of course, our friend Chris Nielsen, who in his death continued to impact people in powerful ways just like he did in his life. And so maybe at the end of our lives, that's the measure. In our life and in our death is God moving 
and working through us. Because I think that's what Jesus said when he says it's finished. It's accomplished that at the end of our lives we could say, I accomplished what God called me to. Not perfect. It was a little messy. But I kept my eyes there. And to me, that's what this passage is about. And it's a hopeful passage and a beautiful passage. I'll end with this, and it'll explain a little bit why this has been on my heart. I've had a heavy couple weeks. Um, We had a guy uh, over at Christ Presbyterian Church, where I do pastoral care too, who... 62 years old, just a couple years older than Steve and I. Kids are same kid's age. And I got to know them because I officiated his son's wedding two years ago. And a week, two weeks ago on a Saturday night, I got an email from his son Kyle, who I married. And he said, Debbie, can you call the family? My dad died suddenly. And we don't know what to do. And so his name was Mark. And Mark and Mary, who I'd gotten to know over the last couple years, Wonderful, wonderful, faith-filled, active, humble servants um, had been on vacation hiking in Hawaii. And Mark was taking video and pictures of Mary. They were excited. It's like their kids were all launched. They had their first grandchild. This was very close to home. And Mark just dropped dead right in front of her in Hawaii. And that was on a Friday. And on Saturday, Mary flew home. And a couple days later, I met with the family, and it was really hard. But a couple days later, 500 people came to a visitation and about 600 came to a funeral service and over the period of time, I got to hear stories and get to know Mark even better and what I found out is that as Mark died, he had accomplished the things that God had called him to accomplish. He was the father to the fatherless over and over. I heard the stories about neighbors who didn't have dads and how he stepped in quietly and humbly. He served as an usher at CPC, and he was that big guy who welcomed you with a big hug and everybody loved. He quietly served his family. And I knew when I heard the stories that even though it is finished for Mark here on earth, that God through him would continue to live through his kids and the people he touched. He'd continue on the mission. And that's the message of tonight. That's the hope we have in the cross. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to leave you guys. um, And I know it was a little convoluted tonight. I felt convoluted. I actually never studied so hard for something. You can ask my husband. And I just, I couldn't, it was just hard. But I'm going to leave you with a song. And it was a song that Lauren Moberg sang at um, Mark's service last week. I'm going to leave you with that. And then Matt's going to come up and we're going to do words of institution. So please just sit in it. And then we'll come back together to share in the bread and the cup. When it's all been said and done 
this day from 2,000 years ago when on the west side of Jerusalem, Pilate is leading a parade on the top of a war horse, soldiers in tow, and they're carrying the Roman symbols, they're carrying the uh, signs of intimidation, the power has arrived, the sheriff is in town, and all eyes are on him. But then on the east side, there was a young rabbi, and he's not on the back of a war horse, he's on the beast of burden. And he comes in peace, not in power. He comes in grace, not to take anybody out. For he's not there to break anybody, but to be broken. And at the end of the week, the crowd that is cheering his name would be the same crowd that would shout for his death. And yet from the moment he entered into that city to the moment he was strung up on a hill, he stayed true to the way of love. He held on to the way of love. Can you imagine how hard that would be? 
having the same people that you spent the last three years walking by your side, telling you to your face that they will never leave you or forsake you, and then you turn and they are gone, and yet he does not give up on love. He held on all the way to the end. Then on the cross, as Debbie said, when he had realized that the painting had been painted, the picture was now clear. This is what a life looks like when love takes over. He said, mission accomplished. It is finished, but it is not over. Which is why the night before he was killed, Jesus was with his disciples and they were sitting in an upper room and over dinner, he grabbed the bread that was on the center of the table and he pulled it to himself and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you guys come together, whenever fellowship takes place, eat this and think about me. He said, remember me, remember me, put my story back together again. And then he reached for the cup and he poured the wine and he lifted it up and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. Again, when you are together, drink this and remember me. For this is the blood of all forgiveness of all of our sins. The final evidence that you'll ever need that you have been and always will be a loved child of God. So you can live as a lover of all the other children of God. So that's what we do here. Because the story's not finished, there's space for us to participate in it. And so we come every Sunday night, tired frustrated, excited, whatever emotions, whatever things might be dragging behind us as we step into this room, we come to this center place right here where we take the bread and we dip it in the cup and we remember the one who went before us, who showed us what it looks like to live a life of love. How we do that here is we'll have people on both sides here that will have the bread and the cup. You will take it from them and you will dip, take the bread from them and dip it into the cup. Um, In the middle, we will have gluten-free elements uh, for you as well. Uh, Before we do that, though, will you please stand with me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.